You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. I'm talking about straining for that logo on the side of your helmet and not the name on your back. Yes, sir. Because we know what it represents. It represents everybody here you see and everybody you can't that we've talked about. I'm here to strain with you, man. I swear to God I'm here to strain with you. Let's go. Everything you got, strain with everything you got. Let's go. Let's go. Bills on three. One, two, three. Bills. You're listening to the Off Tackle with John Fita Show with your host, Joe Miller. What is going on, everybody? Welcome into the Off Tackle with John Fita Show. I'm your host, Joe Miller, and I'm here, of course, with the man, the myth, the legend. 11-year uh, uh, Buffalo Bill, 12-year veteran in the NFL, John Fina himself. John, how you doing tonight? Hey, I'm doing all right, all things considered. Joe, how you doing? I'm doing great. It was uh, I, I was a little tired today. It was it was it was an interesting weekend. Uh, it was an interesting week. There was a lot, as you know, of stuff that went on just with the mafia and around town. And it was a great party at Soho, the homecoming party on Friday night, put on by, by the Cold Front Report, and then the skating party for charity by Bill's Mafia Babes, Poncho's Army. Uh, and Jay Spence the King on Saturday. And then obviously we got to Hammer's Lot Sunday morning at 6.45. 6.45 a.m. And it, had we been five minutes later, we wouldn't have got in. It was crazy. Like the whole weekend. And then obviously the game, we couldn't get out of there forever because they shut down Abbott. And it was just a parking lot. It was crazy. But uh, no, how was your game to experience? What'd you do this weekend? What'd you do? Did you do anything good? Anything special? No, I didn't. Honestly, I, I like to watch the game kind of uh, alone. You know, the, yep. the aloner, the better off I am. I take copious notes, you know, <laughs> just kind of following the game. And uh, I, ju- I just like it that way. Uh, yeah. There's a few people I'll watch the game with, but this weekend wasn't one of them. No, no, I'm the same way. I, I love watching the game with McKenna, my daughter. I love watching the game with my dad, uh, a couple specific friends, but I'm not very much a, uh, it's I, it, even before I got into content creation I, and we didn't plan to talk about this, but even before I got into content creation, I was the guy that if there was like five or six people in the room and the bills were playing bad, they'd ask me why what's happening, Joe. And I'm like, I don't know. Like <laughs> the wheels are coming off. Leave me alone. I'm going to let me be pissed off over here by myself. Like, so I'm the same way. I yell at the TV. It just, yeah, it gets, it, I remember one, here you go. We'll, we'll, we'll get the show started in a second. My daughter McKenna was three years old. And she was, she, I, I don't know if one of your kids was a little more advanced than the other ones. Like McKenna was my kid that like was talking early, was walking early, like could carry conversations early, knew stuff early. She was behind me in our, in my man cave playing something. And the bills were on Sunday night football playing the Patriots. And I believe it was one of the ones where we were winning. And then Ryan Fitzpatrick, I think threw an interception and I yelled, Oh shit. Right. And then all of a sudden in the back of the room, I hear McKenna going, Oh shit. Oh shit. Oh shit. Yeah. <laughs> And so I, I immediately leaned over the couch. I went ship, 
ship, baby, ship. <laughs> <laughs> and she's started going, oh, ship, oh, ship. Because everybody always yells, oh, ship. <laughs> oh, captain, my captain, right? That's an honest to God, true story right there, true story. So so your game day experience was basically you by yourself taking copious notes. Uh let me let me get let me get the, the the yard work if you will taken care of first. So everybody, welcome into the show. A uh, bunch of people in already. A lot of you guys in the chat. If you're not in the uh, YouTube section, jump over to YouTube. Uh, jump over to Buffalo Rumblings. Click on the link. There's a, a lot of great conversation that happens there. Also, a good reason is because we are super chat live. What that means is if you are on YouTube, you can ask John a question. You can, which it says right there. Please ask John a question. Uh, you can also make a comment. And the easiest way to get our attention is through a super chat, because it's going to come up highlighted and colored um i cannot guarantee you that in our conversation i'm going to see all the comments or the questions we're not ignoring you i promise so if you want to get a question in please do that but we are glad to have you here uh but let's start here going into this game now i did a pregame show uh called time to shine had a lot of fun brought bill's Maf mafia members on i think you were around for that a little bit and it was a lot of, and we we had great expectations specifically from this offense what were your expectations, thoughts kind of going into this game beforehand? Similar to yours, Joe. I yeah. mean, I expected more than what we saw. That's for sure. Um, you know, I had the Bills picking or winning by 8 to 11, somewhere around there. I really felt like uh, we were poised to get it done. And, uh, yeah, I'm disappointed. And I think right after the game, I was kind of angry at some of the things that I saw. And then I settled down. And then last night, I started pulling up uh, what I would consider low lights. And, you know, I watch film a little differently. So I watched the same play about nine times. I'm watching footwork and everything like that. My my wife's asking me, what the hell are you doing? This is like the old days. And I said, well, Joe means a lot to me. So, and the Bills Mafia deserves, uh, deserves some real assessment of play. But I'm disappointed. And my expectations were high. But I'll say they continue to be high. Yeah, I, you know, 17 is a long season. You know, we're on one. We own it. Uh, the players own it. It's now a function of how do you respond? How do you get better? Yeah. Yesterday on my show, I, I made, I started the show with talking about how I, I've been through enough home openers, at least have gone to them or even like seen enough first games of the season that one and oh is such a different feeling than oh and one. It's a really weird there's just a, a feeling of no matter how bad your team is, if you if you win your first game, uh, New Orleans Saints against the Packers, the Saints fans are flying high today because it's, they've got gigantic hope and expectation for the rest of the year. They're one and zero. They beat the Packers and Aaron Rodgers. Meanwhile, the Packer fans are in the basement, like the wheels have come off. It, does that happen with the with the players as well, or is it just like ah, we're gonna bury it? Like they talk about, like we're going to spend one day watching film. We're going to bury it onto the next game. Yeah, well, they won't bury it until Wednesday morning practice. I'm guessing. Gotcha. Yeah, they, you just this just doesn't go away right away, and 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 it won't for Bills Mafia either. And you know, I troll the Twitterverse a little bit and read everybody's comments, and you know, some are outlandish and vitriolic, and everybody you know needs to get fired. Or I called this right. We should have drafted that position, and right. you know that that's all well and good. The players right now, they're 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 a little, I think, a little shell shocked. On, yeah. Well, particularly on offense, and uh, in the in the punt room in particular. <laughs> but by and large, you know, these are grown men, and they understand why they're here and what they have to do. And yeah, you know, there's there's a feeling of holy cow, we went out and laid an egg, and uh, 
uh, they'll get over it. I think yeah. they'll deliver. Did you did you by chance catch any of the pressers, whether yesterday or today? That was going to be the next thing I looked at last night, but I really didn't want to listen to them. A lot of times, you know, they're just going to tell you what you already saw or what you already felt, and they're going to be vanilla enough that they protect people. I don't like it when management or coaches call out particular players. Yeah, yeah. You know, so I think that, um, I mean, I saw it with my own eyes. Sure, uh, sure. Just as you did, and maybe even saw a little bit more because I watched it on television. I got the uh, the benefit of replay and things of that nature. And trust me, I, I mean, they probably watched that game. It was not a fun room to be in offensively, uh, and then in the breakout rooms, it was rough. Yeah, and if it wasn't, that. if it wasn't, then I think there's a problem. Yeah, I can tell you this. I'm not going to spoil it for you. Uh, we'll and we'll move on here in a second. Go back and watch. The, the, I, only, I only saw caught three pressers that are on YouTube uh, or the Bills channel, the Bills app, uh, and they doubled them up. So one is Allen and Beasley, and Josh Allen looked like somebody kicked his dog and literally was talking like somebody kicked his dog. Uh, Beasley, at one point, they asked him about confidence and in about the most somber, disheveled, conversational way, he was like, we haven't lost any confidence. And it was just like, okay. But more than that, the cherry on top is McDermott. He didn't call any players. McDermott is brilliant and very good about not calling out coaches, taking ownership, taking blame. Uh, the media tried to trap him and corner him. He did a very good job of of managing and navigating that. But I want you to go back and watch that maybe even after we do our show because he was more dejected than I probably have ever seen him. He was not happy with the outcome of that football game. And by the outcome, primarily the stuff that we're probably going to talk about, things that he saw, decisions his coaches made, how plays were executed. Cause I said last night, it's one thing to tell a player that doesn't have the ability. They didn't execute. Well, no, they didn't execute. They can't do that. This team is full of people that can execute the plays. They want them to execute. And yesterday they just didn't do it, but let's start with the positives. Okay. Let's start with the positives. <laughs> it, 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 I'll let you go first. Give me a couple things that in your mind, and if you want to expound upon them, that's fine. That went well. And obviously the defense is going to be first, but you know, a couple things, whether it's on offense or defense, you know, what went well for you? Well, particularly the defensive front four. I watched very closely just the get off and the physical nature of the way they attacked the offensive line. We'd have liked more sacks or you know, a little, maybe a little bit more production, but they were resetting the line of scrimmage in a lot of instances. That was an incredibly active group. And it got me thinking, wow, you know, th th this game, this defense of ours, they give us a chance. Mm -hmm. you know, I start thinking, you know, my mind goes wild. I start thinking about the Ravens. They were all defense when they won the Super Bowl. Right, right. And that's okay. They say defense wins championships. I'm not saying they've arrived, but there's a lot, a lot to look at on the defensive front four. All of the linebackers played downhill, played aggressive. It was great. Uh, Taron Johnson popped to me. Yeah. He was all over the field. Yeah. You know, until the fourth quarter, there was a reception over on the – Yep. I think it was the defensive left. Okay, um, let's not take one successful play by their offense and start shunning uh, the defense for what they did yesterday. And it was impressive. I thought Tremaine Edmonds looked outstanding. Uh, I'll say this. I think that our young guys on the defensive front and our old guys on the defensive front did a great job. Uh, they should go back. And we talked about this the last time learn from other players. And there are some guys that played for Pittsburgh up front, like 
Basham should be looking at Melvin Ingram and saying, that's me. That's my body type, right? Yes. Yes. Uh, that, that's what I need to do. That's how I need to play. Uh, I'll tell you the player of the game for them on defense. You know, most people would say Minka Fitzpatrick or TJ Watt, but it wasn't. It was Cameron Hayward. Yeah. And he absolutely destroyed our offense, our yep. offensive line. Same thing, guy, same thing he did last year in the, in the first half. He was unstoppable. Harrison Phillips, uh, Zimmer, Star, take a look at that film. Borrow, steal, rob. You know, the highest form of flattery is imitation. Yeah, yeah, and, for sure. And uh, I was really impressed. How do you feel about the defense? I mean, that's that's a huge positive. I'm over. I'm over the. I'm over the. Uh, the conversation. And you're on the. You're on as you like to call it. And you've got me saying it now to the Twitterverse. You're you're on the Twitterverse enough in the off season and have seen people just pound Tremaine Edmonds. You know, a kid that's relatively young. And how long are we going to give him? And at some point, we got to give up. Why did they pick up the fifth year option? All that crap. I was, you know. I, he he led the league has led the league and the team in tackle not the league he's led the team in tackles the last two years so he's active he's a he's a big physical player we obviously know that last year he was injured uh he was dealing with a shoulder injury side to side great we know he's got great body length great speed and we've seen that in his career east to west he's done a very good job generally trailing the play you know once whoever it is gets past the line of scrimmage i loved all that to say this i absolutely loved seeing him go north and south and attacking the line of scrimmage to me that was that was in north that was everything that i wanted to see from him uh and hope that only continues to grow through the season for me uh i agree with you i you know as much as we didn't hear the names you know that we wanted to hear getting called for sacks and other things like that i thought the defensive line and the front seven was very aggressive i thought they gave the defensive backs a chance to win Minus, minus a couple of successful runs, they did did a great job shutting down the run. Right, and then yeah, I and expected then, Najee Harris to be more productive, and he had I think two runs that were notable. Yeah. Otherwise, the uh, the pursuit, uh, I, I just loved how they reestablished the line of scrimmage. It was yeah. it was great to see. Yeah, the, the the run shutting down the run was fantastic. Not Najee Harris is going to be a good player in the NFL. And clearly going into the season, it was such a backwards game. Everything that we thought the Bills offense is going to is going to roll. The defense is going to struggle against the run, play a lot of bend, but break between the 20s or bend, but don't break between the 20s. And we saw the complete opposite. They they shut down the run like the, they sh they shut them out <laughs> first half completely. And the offense will get there. Right. And, and, and offensively, the safeties, I think the safeties played well. Uh, yes. Poyer and Hard Hyde, pardon me. Yeah. Yep. And uh, you know, in particular, I thought McKenzie uh, returning yes. kicks looked very good. I mean, even aside from he made a decision there where he probably should have fair caught it, come up and played the fair catch, but otherwise, um, I think it looks promising at the return in the return game. So that that the, the stadium was electric. The stadium was absolutely electric. They played the that memorial video, and I think it was in sync across the country. Uh, at every stadium because they started showing live flash, live cut-ins from other stadiums. So I think all 32 teams, all 60, or not 16, I guess it'd be 14, uh, or maybe whatever the number is, the 1 o'clock games were all synced at the same time. Uh, and then they did a flyover. So the, the crowd was already electric. We get the ball. He comes out with that 71-yard return, and the place was going nuts. It was unbelievable. He played well. He had that other 41-yard return. Uh, I loved the moment because it's a learning experience to me. He got the one punt. It was towards the tunnel end zone. It was towards my side. And he and he looked up, called for a fair catch, caught the ball, looked up and realized nobody was within 15 yards of him. And he was just, he was upset at himself. Yeah. 
And that was that, visible. Yeah, and, and that, that, was, that comes with experience, right? You know, and it's yeah. hard. I, I don't know if you ever fielded a punt. No. <laughs> <laughs> they had the offensive line doing it once when I was there. I, I felt like a cow on ice. It was, it was, I had vertigo. I, I think I fell over twice. It was ridiculous. It's, it's a very, very challenging thing to do. And then think about looking up and maintaining your balance and finding the ball and then having the wherewithal to understand, you know, that that nine guys. Yep probably 10 guys are bearing down on you, you know, with the, with the weight of an entire team. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't know how they do that. Andre Roberts was great at it. Andre Roberts, you know, there's guys that would, so I played baseball and you peak, right? I mean, I can, I, there's ways to feel balls and look up and look down and, and, you know, your body kind of knows where it is. And Andre Roberts would never look up and look back. He'd he'd always keep his head up. And that first cut after he, he caught the ball was always right. Somehow he knew and could feel where the guy was if he was coming from his left or coming from his right. If he was coming from his right, then he would, you know, he would he would dip him. I don't know how he did it. I don't know how those guys do it. It's and Andy would catch punts and receive kicks overhead. Like yeah, right they're now? they're a little bit like fighter pilots, you know, something <laughs> that I'm just not gonna do. You know, they're they're pulling serious G's out there. That's the equivalency. That's absolutely great. But no, and offensively, you know, there wasn't as much as we want to, we're not happy, I should say, or, or pleased with with the showing. Dude, Gabe Davis looked like Gabe Davis. He looked great in that football game. He just, he continues to shine in a, in a in, on a team yesterday where everybody seemed down. Stephon Diggs, as we saw, was off kind of by himself, kind of like coaching himself up before he went back and tried to be a captain to everybody else and bring them up. And Gabe Davis is just out there catching difficult passes. That's just what the dude does. They got slapped in the face and yeah. uh, probably – you know, people say wake up game, things of that nature, reset, what have you. And there's a there's a large number of people who are very large people on the offense <laughs> who are taking uh, stock of themselves and the way they played. Yeah, yeah. For um, sure. I, I wasn't disappointed with the receiver core, frankly. I mean, there were maybe a couple drops. I, I really thought that Sanders should have had that ball. That was in his yeah. hands. He, yeah. That's a catch you need to make. Uh, he did make some other some other good catches. So, you know, how much can you actually complain? So uh, I, I'm OK with the receivers. Dawson Knox played well. Great. Uh, I didn't focus on his blocking, mm. but, you know, out in space, catching the ball, he did great. Um, I mean, what do you think of the receivers? I, I, I There's really there were some there were some unfortunate drops. You know, Josh was a little off as far as that goes. There was the one ball that he threw to Diggs that Dix was Diggs was kind of falling backwards. And I thought I said to my dad at first, I was like, I think he alligator armed it. Like he was afraid somebody was coming. And then they showed the replay on the board and his arms were fully extended. He didn't. The ball was just out of his reach. Uh there was just a lot of weird drops. Beasley had a couple drops. I did I'll say this positive about Beasley. Um he has a great knack, obviously, for getting open, which we know that part. The getting open piece is is phenomenal. But what I love about Cole Beasley is a lot of times guys try to juke too much or try to do too much when they're they're either bracketed by defenders or there's a defender on them. And Beasley literally just darts forward every time he gets that last four yards. And I love that about him. Those last three or four yards that he gets when he just dives forward is big when you're talking about getting 10 yards for a new set of downs. Like he does that super, super well. Uh, I thought they played okay. The drops were unfortunate. It was more drops than we've seen in a game, probably in all of 2020. I don't think they dropped that many balls in a single game all of 2020, but it was great. Yeah, it is what it is. I think it worked yeah. out. Now, do we get to the hard part now? Well, hang on. Do we, 
Can we, we do, keep talking about what we liked? You 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 want you you brought up and mentioned the big guys. So EB is asking this question, and it, again, it, it's not a super chat, which is fine, but I saw it and it caught my attention. John, last week we discussed, and I'm not a part of this, so I don't know what he's talking about. Players eating at halftime during games. Can you pull back the curtain on the '90s squads halftime eating habits? Thanks, brother. What is? Yeah, this you know, I mean, it was filet mignon and potatoes <laughs> over at time. We're just looking no. up. I have literally never seen anybody eat at halftime other than maybe you know back in the days it was a power bar, but you wouldn't eat that garbage. Sorry, power bar. Um, so so not, much for that sponsor. So much for that sponsor. <laughs> Uh, you know, I always I always kept a handful of bananas that I'd bring from a morning meal. And if I was starting to feel like I might be getting tight, I might power down a banana. But no, we don't. I don't think anybody eats at halftime. If they do now, I I, I don't know. You only have 12 minutes, right? So right, 12, some, of, yeah. some of these away games, you could barely make it to the locker room to use the urinal. You don't have time like to, to eat anything. I Two. think um, I've always felt better about playing on an empty stomach. Not empty, but, you know, uh, I don't eat probably. I didn't eat probably for four hours, three hours before the game at least. Yeah, yeah. Two things. Uh, I had somebody yesterday. I was at the game that wanted to buy me a beer, and they're like, "Halftime, meet us at you know section whatever." I'm in three thirteen row one. They're like, "Meet meet us at one twenty six, and you know, we'll buy you a beer." And I'm like, "Well, you better get in line now." They're like, "We're already in line." I'm like, "Okay, check number one." And then I was literally telling them, "There's only twelve minutes," and, and they're like, "What do you mean twelve minutes?" I was like. Halftime's only 12 minutes long. Like where where you been since like what 1997 or I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna walk down there, I'm gonna grab my beer from you, I'm gonna hug you, say thanks, and walk back to my seat. Like there's no time, and I'm I'm not gonna have a chance, you know, obviously to yeah. hit the restroom. And you're gonna be down 18 bucks too. So right, right. But thank you. I mean, I appreciate the beer. What's what's interesting about what you said about eating at halftime, and I don't know if you were how much you were paying attention or watching to the bills when Willis McGahee was on the team. But Willis, at one point in time, said something about not feeling – he was ill or wasn't feel he was feeling nauseous because he was so hungry, and somebody on the sideline had Quiznos. And it became a big thing in the Buffalo Bills message board that he, like, had a Quiznos sub on the sideline or at halftime. And then, obviously, Marshawn – what is it with our running backs? Marshawn Lynch would eat Skittles, right? And he did it with Seattle, too, and that actually turned into a, a sponsorship for him because he would eat Skittles all the time. Yeah, I don't really consider eating Skittles. I mean, if you're going for that sugar rush, I know that we used right. to – you know, a variety of things before the game. I, uh, honey was a good one. You know, we really? take um, those packets of honey or keep a little honey bear up in your locker and squirt a little honey in. But no, That's I mean, we no time to eat. And I got to I'd be honest with you. I mean, I wish college football would go to the 12 minute half. Yeah. I mean, it, college football is just unbearable how long the games are. And, uh, you know, they're, I mean, you, the, with the access to technology now, uh, your guys up in the sky, if they're not reading the defenses and understanding how they're reacting to motion and alignment and what their substitution packages are, you know, looking from the offensive, you know, the defensive point of view, then you really have you're not going to get that much accomplished with yeah, that extra yeah. eight minutes, but you'll probably increase your viewership. Yeah, I, I agree. It's, uh, college football is it's just and it's funny because they've done so much to shorten to make the NFL game more efficient. I mean, I think back to when you played. And and there shortly after when team would score, commercial break, and then they do the extra point commercial or no the team would score extra point commercial break kickoff commercial break and then they come back to the offense. It's like good God, like can we just get to the game already? Like yeah, I think probably short. they just raised the price of advertising, <laughs> which is smart if you think about it. But uh, 
Let's transition now to just some things that, you know, if, if we're going to title this section, you know, things that need to be addressed. And before we do, in my thoughts today, it felt to me yesterday as, as I was kind of like the hangover, it felt like this was a continuation a little bit of what we saw in the AFC championship game or even a little bit in that Ravens game. I mean, because if you think about the Ravens game in the offense, they weren't exactly the Josh Allen that we're used to seeing in the offense. We know what happened in that championship game. And then obviously, you know, it continued through to the regular season. It was just, it was just, it just felt the whole thing. Just, it just felt weird. Yeah, uh, it, it did. It felt weird. I'm not going to talk about last season. You know, those, those, that's dead and buried. Dead and buried yeah. You don't want to compare yourself to where you've been or how things went, but I'll, I'll say this. I mean, you know, Josh, I think we're probably four passes minimum that weren't just bad you know they were just they were terrible yeah, yeah um you know that that swing pass out to the left hit the ground like eight feet um in front of i think the running back i can't recall and then the, it, was, it, it was beasley it, it, well unless we're talking about a different one so that that happened on my side of the field uh it was beasley and i can't remember who the other wide receiver was there was one defender on him so josh was trying was to rush yeah, and the josh, long ball yeah the josh long ball. Josh was trying to rush that throw and just and missed him. But, yeah, the long ball, he was way off target on. Way off. Yeah. I mean, completely uncatchable. Uh, he And when he did have time, uh, you know, there were a couple instances where I'm like, you got to get rid of the ball. Yeah. And he didn't. He held it. That one sack, uh, that was on Josh for sure, where he stepped up and just kind of hung there and then got pulled down in place. You know, that, that was Josh's sack, not the offensive line. Um, and, you know, uh, however, I will say when the protection was good and he got the ball out on time, mm. he looked, he looked good. There were just too many incidences of not looking good. I mean, would you agree? I mean, we, he expects a little, he expects more from himself. Yeah. Those easier throws. Yeah. What confuses me, and we saw it all throughout the preseason, especially in the Packers game, and, and well, maybe we didn't see, all see it because I went to two open practices that obviously were not broadcast on everybody got to go to. They worked a screen game a lot in this preseason. They worked it a lot in the preseason. And when you've got a team that's getting in as fast as they're getting in and they're moving up on you, they didn't, they didn't attempt a single screen pass yesterday, which was completely confusing to me. I was just floored and it wasn't like they were pushing the ball downfield i mean they, he tried the aggressive throws early but then it I, it was just everything was kind of an out it was kind of you like know, a, a 10 yard out like it was just weird you know well 10 yard out right we didn't we didn't take we didn't look at the middle of the field very right. much which we typically do and people want to know where the middle of the field the intermediate routes go well if you're given if you're giving up pressure with four defensive linemen then the linebackers can sit and make those intermediate throws nearly impossible you know you got to get them up over down and we, we we couldn't hit those passes right right because we had all we could handle up front so you know so josh is looking downfield because he knows he can't float it over these intermediate linebackers yeah. and we just didn't we didn't control the line of scrimmage on the pass yeah um, it, it was just it, i just don't i just for the life of me i can't figure out what it's I said to Sterling Furrow, and I know you've been on Sterling's show, uh, the Hoof Podcast, once or twice, because Sterles was there. It was great to meet Sterles. Um, and I just, I said, I if Josh, before the game, Josh Allen, we know who he is. We know that if it's third and 22, the dude's firing the ball 25 yards downfield or 22 yards downfield, he's going to get it. If it's third and 13, he's throwing the ball 14 yards downfield. Like, he's not afraid to be aggressive. And I said to Sterles, what we saw in preseason was amazing because he started to mature and kind of grow into that, 
feeling, you know, that feeling of I have command of the whole field. And you know what? I'm going to take the short stuff if I need to. And he did it in preseason. And I remember saying to Sterling, he was sitting on the bed of my truck on my tailgate. I was like, if Josh Allen figures that out this year, like he did in preseason, he's going to be unstoppable because there's no, you can't protect every inch of the green. Like, and if he can go to any part of the green he wants, you're in trouble. And Sterling was like, that's it, man. He's just so smart, blah, 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 blah. And then yesterday happened and we like got back to the truck and we were just like speechless. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, we gave it up up front. Right. That's, that's, that's just yep. the facts. Yep. So nice thing though, you saw a couple of throws by Josh where he wasn't even stepping into it. He was just flicking it arm. 30 yards. Yep. You know, the arm is there. Uh, and he was dejected after the game. I'll go back and look at it, but I would expect him to be sure. You know, I mean, it's a, it's like a kiss me deadly, right? Like you want him to be confident and angry, but at the same time, the fans are furious. You know, mm. wh where do you walk the line on how long do I get to be upset and right. be disappointed in myself and my teammates? Yeah, yeah for sure. So the O-line, I, uh, I said it wrong last night. I said that, uh, or yesterday in the show, I said that they, uh, that they, uh, they did the, or they went around the horn and it's actually hit the cycle. I was driving to work today. I was like, I said that wrong. I was like, they yeah. hit the cycle. I was like, you moron. And it's funny because we do these shows and you get caught in your thoughts. And it's like, it, you just get kind of trapped. But all of them but one had a holding penalty. Deion Dawkins had three. And watching replays today on Twitter of what both Ingram was doing and TJ Watt was doing, and that doesn't even account for Hayward. They were spinning our, our offensive tackles in circles. Daryl Williams, who was put on an island last year against TJ Watt and succeeded, clearly struggled this time. Can you, do you, like, where do we start? Well, I'll start with this. I mean, first of all, Pittsburgh's a prideful organization. For and sure. they're coming in for the first game after a playoff loss. We ended their season last year. You you think, you know, you'd have been a little bit more ready or than, than that. Um, <laughs> they weren't, they weren't physical. You know, I, I look at technique and, and when I was reviewing plays last night, there's real technique issues mm -hmm. in what I saw. And <laughs> they weren't using their hands. They were letting both Ingram and Watt get into their bodies. Yeah. Like right into the body. And that's rule number one of pass protection. You know, you got those big long arms, use them. Uh, there was, I don't know if there's fatigue issues, if there's conditioning issues, but Deion Dawkins looked like he was fatigued yeah, early very much, very much uh williams wasn't moving very well i think cody ford looks heavy-footed uh you know our man mongo didn't play well mm. but by and large what what i look at so my my whole idea uh, you know you're a little bit this might sound kind of weird you know as a quarterback or a baseball pitcher you're all about eliminating unnecessary motion so as you're taking your set, as you're coming back, right? Joe Miller's coming right at me. I can see him. I got my target on that inside shoulder with my eyes. My hands are going to follow my eyes. But what I want to do is keep my hands kind of in this patty cake position. Right. Like I don't need to punch from back here and do everything. All I need to do, it's like an 8 to 14 inch punch timed up nicely. And that just stops the guy enough. You go back and look. When they got beat, when they held their arms were flying around right like 
Phoebe and friends jogging through Central Park. <laughs> uh, and I, this is the harshest I hope. This is the harshest <laughs> I hope I'll ever be. You know how I am. I don't oh like yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But this is a technique issue. Yeah. And it's it's real. So I don't know what's going on in, in practice. I don't know how they're working it. But those guys miss targets. What? I coached Bruno, my son, for four years. I'm coaching Roman now as a freshman. Every offensive lineman, I tell, your eyeballs have to have, be on a target. You don't look at Joe's beautiful face. You look, you find your target. You minimize any unnecessary motion, and you strike. Right. What, what's, what's interesting about what you just said about that is we watched it kind of happen with Spencer Brown. So Spencer Brown played in the Detroit game, and you were, you texted me and said he had a little bit of a rough go. Uh, he let, let a lot of guys inside. I think you said he let some guys inside of his body when you and I talked about it. Uh, and then against the Bears game, he did exactly what you said against arguably one of the best linebackers in the NFL, Khalil Mack, and put Khalil right on his face. Khalil dipped his shoulders. He tried to go around him, and he just did what you said, kept his arms out, and just pushed him straight to the ground, and it was over. Oh, but, but Joe, the snowball effect of this. I mean, you know, you put film up like that, you know, with a variety of holding penalties, mm. and what I think was pretty, pretty poor technique. And that, you know, they get the film. I mean, Miami's like dying. They're coming yeah. in on Tuesday. Right. To look at that. Yep. And those yep. defensive ends, I mean, imitation, highest form of flattery. Yep, what beats sure. Dawkins? What beats Feliciano? Uh, you're going to see a lot of spin moves. Is that what you're telling me? Well, it's just not, it's not just the spin moves. I mean, they got leveraged because, you know, the, uh, Ingram's a little shorter, TJ Watt. Uh, maybe just a uh, shorter than um, Williams on the right there, but they're get they were getting their hands into the body, mm-hmm. and our guys were huggy bear outside. You can't you can't survive like that. They, they they're that. just everybody's too strong now. Everybody's too explosive. This is a great question from Troy Garman. Thanks for being a part of the show, Troy. Does John think changing the O lineman on different series is bad for continuity? I don't know if you know this, but they were rotating three guys. Obviously, Feliciano, uh, Ford, and then Bucker. Do you feel that that kind of throws guys, or is that spelling them good for them? Not nothing was good for them. I mean, <laughs> look, I, I've been through that. the The whole idea of rotating guys in like that is forcing guys to win and earn and maintain and own a position. Right. And none of that happened. I mean, what, Butker got 10 plays? Was that right? Uh, I don't remember the number, but it wasn't, yeah. Probably. It wasn't a lot of plays. Uh, I, I, I remember seeing him in there. I don't remember seeing anything uh, where he looked like he was, you know, guilty of allowing pressure or giving up a sack or something of that nature. Right, right. But, you know, I, you, you read on the Twitterverse, this and that, you know, they're reading their clippings. They, they think they're going to the Super Bowl already. Players don't think that way. They don't. And I don't think that those technique issues uh, stem from we think we're the greatest thing ever. Yeah, this is is great. Your guy, Jerry Ostrowski. They need to help uh, their own by altering the snap count, John. This was a big thing that I talked to somebody about today. They literally, it got to the point where Ingram was jumping the snap because he knew. There was twice I thought he was off sides and they didn't call it, so clearly he wasn't. He was all over whatever the cadence was that Josh was on yesterday. Well, Jerry, Jerry's a hundred percent right. I, and I, I'd let that out in the game. You know, I tweeted that. I hate saying I tweeted that. It sounds so puerile, so childish, but I was sitting there like, where's the hard count? 
Jim Kelly was a master. Oh, yeah. Alex Van Pelt did it beautifully. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, the clapping in college, I think, is ridiculous. I mean, it, it's hard enough to beat a guy with his ears pinned back when it's third and long. You know, give me a hard count. Right. I mean, we're pretty efficient getting up to the line of scrimmage and getting set. I mean, come on, let's go on two. We're adults here. This is an, an advantage that for some mysterious reason has been given up. Like, we're just going to go on one. Yep. And yep. when they were pinning their ears back, Jim Kelly would have gone on three. We had code words for our hard counts. <laughs> I'm sure Jerry will remember him, man. But, you know, and it, it there were things that I did, you know, where and the center would squeeze the ball a little bit on the second hard yep. count or the yep. first one. You know, give yourself a little bit of an edge. You know, Jerry, old good friend of mine, great football mind, tough son of a bitch. That's a great point, Jerry. Thanks for thanks for coming on my show, Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because but Jerry, you gotta admit that wouldn't have solved the problems that we saw, buddy. I What's... mean, we saw some we saw some technique and uh, you know, straight, straight physical things that uh you know that offensive line coach. I can't remember his name. I looked it up the other day. I mean, he's got to, he's got to be pie eyed right now, you know. And, and when you're a coach, you know you look at things, um, you look at things very, very plainly. Mm-hmm. I am either coaching you to do this, or I'm allowing it to happen. Right. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge. That takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Right. What's interesting is you talked about the clap in college. And the first time I saw that, I think it was OSU. I was living in Columbus at the time. And I was like, that is the dumbest thing I've ever seen. I don't understand how every defensive lineman, how is that defensive coordinator's not telling them when you see him go like this, like get his hand out? Because there's a cadence to it. They do it the same way every time. And when his hands are about to come in, go. But they don't, which is crazy to me. They don't. They don't key up. They don't. They don't tee off on it. They don't key on it or nothing like that. But yesterday, the, the cadences, the counts, the hard counts was not. It was not there, and it was. It was. It was noticeable, and it was somewhat of a problem. Uh, but that offensive line, I think, you you talked about them getting into their bodies, and it got to the point. And McDermott talked about this because they asked him a question about why or something. How was it so effective that they were rushing four, and a, a team that traditionally blitzes eighty percent of the time basically just stopped blitzing. Like they didn't even have to blitz and McDermott responded with, I think sometimes it was three. And that was when I said that he was dejected in that, in that post-game presser. He was talking about the fact that they were, they were getting through with three. And I just don't, we talked last year, you and I did quite a bit about this offensive line. 
pin and pull wide zone. I believe they played some wide zone mostly yesterday. Clearly the stretch plays didn't work. Were you able to key in on what they were doing and why it wasn't working? Like, are they still trying to force a system on these guys? Have they just not found the system that works for these guys? Cause it was just, it just wasn't great. It wasn't great. I went on mute because I got a dog that I want to give away. Anybody want a dog? Uh, <laughs> no, I, I don't mean that. Disclaimer. So I've been thinking about that a lot, right? And I've been looking at Devin, uh, Singletary, Zach Moss, Brita now. I, I think that when when Zach Moss and uh, Devin Singletary in the game, I, I think the pin and pull is a better play. I, they, uh, I looked really closely at the – the body habitus of our offensive line, especially into the third quarter, and they look mm. tired. And I don't think that zone blocking schemes, wide zone, are going to be beneficial for guys who, I don't know if they're out of shape. Mm. Uh, and and you know what? Someone's going to say, hey, that jackass Fina says you're out of shape. And I could be wrong. But they look like it. They look tired. So yeah. pin and pull, the, both of Devin Singletary runs, if you go back and look at them, one was straight power. The right guard pulled kicked out we created a seam and Devin hit that little seam he I think he might like the idea that this is where the play hits not uh here or here you know right right maybe. I don't know I can't crawl inside of his head right and right. the other play was a G scheme the other Devin single play a singletary play to the left G scheme tackle blocks down guard pulls around kicks out the end tight end knocks released out to the support linebacker found that seam, hit it hard and fast downhill. Now, Brita might be a guy who can float along a little bit more. Think Edger and James. I don't know how young our viewership is. You know, and pick and find and wait more for patient. the Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon Bell would, would, would wait and be patient and find a hole and then squeak through. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I, I got to tell you, and, and with respect to if they are out of shape, then I think pin and pull is a better way to go. Because if you have five guys trying to – Take an edge and create a seam. Exhaustion won't be your friend. Right, right. And the natural seam won't show up. Guys will just get beat. But if I can block down on a guy, step right foot, right hand, hip up field, seal, mm -hmm. um, and you know, and if the end crashes, potentially it bounces. I think I think that might be more beneficial. Somebody asked a question about just play calling. And obviously there was a lot of, in my opinion, questionable plays, which by and large, and it's true, if they're successful on those plays, then they're geniuses. However, there was inconsistency that I felt, at least for me, that I have not seen in this team and this coaching staff in a while, probably since 2019. Biggest case in point, the very one of the very first punts, I think it was the first punt, they were fourth and three inside, like in in the in the uh, which we call it in in their in the excuse me in the opposing the team opportunity zone. zone yeah the opposing team zone they punt the ball later in the game it's fourth and eight and they go for it fourth yeah, and like eight I'll, I'll never fault you Joe for punting on fourth and three and I think you would agree with me but on fourth and eight from the uh, forty one though fourth and fourth and three for the forty one forty two though yeah I still I I think I'm okay with a punt if you think the wind is too strong you're not going to kick it then you punt it. Um, you know, again, so the same mindset that says punted on fourth and three should be the same mindset that says punted on fourth and eight. But you start overthinking it. Our defense is killing them, right? right but if right. somebody had just whispered in your ear, you're going to get a block punt for a touchdown, you'd have punted. 
Yeah, right? for sure. well, that was that was fourth. I think that was fourth and one or fourth and three, and obviously in their own end zone. I wouldn't. No, go no. For but it. My 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 point is, you don't go for it on fourth and eight. You know, that's that's right. an unreasonable down and distance to go for it. Yeah. No. If, right. That's what's and then the other one, fourth and one, they decide to go for it on and. He throws a backwards pass. Gilliam, and I talked about this yesterday too, you know, Gilliam looks up and the guy that he's supposed to block isn't even there because he's already around him. And I just don't know what good comes from that. Yes, if he catches the ball, makes the first down, oh my God, what a play. But the reality is, is there's so many things that could, if it's not third down, it's not second down. If, if they run that play on third down and he doesn't catch the ball and it drops in front of him, he falls on the ball, they punt it, right? Fourth down, he falls on the ball, that they, the ball, they get it right there. If he fumbles the ball, misses the ball, or Josh misses him completely, they're going to the end zone. I want to poke my eyes out. I'm thinking to myself, we got a quarterback who everybody doesn't want to run anymore. But every time he runs, which was six or seven times in the game for 44 yards or whatever the hell it was, right, right. every designed run that Josh Allen ran gained yardage. Right. What the hell? Don't outthink him. Do what you do. Do it. Let him be him. Yep. So one of the points I came, uh, you know, this is hard nose Pittsburgh. They they've historically been defensive monsters, right? I mean, it's hard nose play. Let's just play hard nose football. Right, right. I, 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 that, that play was baffling, and I kept trying to think. Well, maybe they were throwing it back to him, and then they were going to drag somebody because it was a backward pass. Yaha, ha, you know. And then yeah, think about that. And then the flea flicker, I'm okay with, right? I liked it. I liked it. Everybody's like, oh, the flea flicker. But here's the deal on that. And you mentioned this last night. I was listening very closely to you, which should shock everyone. It shocks me. So here's the deal, right? You're going to run a flea flicker and release only one guy, Stefan Diggs, right? If you're going to do that, you know you're throwing the ball to one guy. That's it. That's your guy. So you need to understand. They had a, a safety at 17 yards, and they had a corner at about eight yards. They, they should have had, and I blame this on Dable, unless he coached it and Josh didn't do it. You walk up and see that and say, this is not flea flicker defense right, right now. Right. They need to be at 10 yards, right, or, or 12 or 15. So let's just say this. If you're going to go ahead and run it, uh, then Stefan Diggs and Josh Allen need to know that you only needed, what, one yard? Was it one yard? One yard, yep. One yard. He ran the guys off like 30 yards and then tried to run an out. Mm -hmm. He could have ran them 15 or 20 and sprinted back and caught the ball at five yards. Yep, yep. What are we, what are we doing here? Yep. I mean, read the defense. We always say, take what the defense gives you. They didn't give you the deep ball. They didn't give you the deep <laughs> out. Come running back to the quarterback. Make the catch and go, holy crap, we dodged a bullet on that one. Yeah, that play it was cool to watch that play develop from my seat from where I went where I was because it's on my side of the 50-yard line. And just to watch as I'm looking back and forth, and I said it yesterday, there's one guy in the pattern and he's double covered. And Allen caught it after the snap. He's like, Oh, well, he's double covered, and I got one guy out there, and he kind of shoulder shoulder hitched. And then that's when Diggs like did that out. Diggs couldn't see him because he was running straight. And Diggs realized it too. I've got to get open. So he that's when he cut to his left. And Josh tried to make the throw, and the and the recovery by the defensive back was magical. Like yeah, but he was two seconds too late by the time yes. he realized he needed to break it off. Yes, for sure. Right, and she should have stopped, turned, and ran back to the quarterback. Yeah, I almost wonder. I almost wonder if Josh was expecting that because you could see on him that he was waiting for. Diggs but again, I mean, you got to think when you're running a trick play, like they always say, you know, you toss it out to the halfback, and he's running out there. 
If the guy's not open, run out of bounds. Get what you can, right? right? Throw it out of bounds. Um, so you have to look at a contingency, especially with one guy. One guy out running the route. I was just, I was kind of mind blown at yeah. that one. Can you speak to urgency? Because they, they there's going to be a hell of a lot of urgency this week. <laughs> <laughs> there just didn't seem to be a lot of urgency in the play calling, in the execution, especially in the last series. Uh, you know, I talked about it again. They they roll up to the line that it's two, there's two oh six or two oh nine left on the clock going into the the last two minute warning, and Josh snaps the ball a second after the clock expires, and he's like, "What happened?" Like they're just and it was the whole game. There just wasn't a sense of last no, year. We saw know, last I, year. I wasn't. I wasn't paying attention to that. I think maybe on one play, I thought, what the hell are they doing? Get up to the line. Um, but they were, um, you know, they got hit in the face yeah, but, with, with a wet frying pan. I think they were all a little shell-shocked. Yeah, but you you, you lived in, you and Jerry both lived in the hurry-up offense, the K-Gun. Mm -hmm. So you guys were on the line at 25 seconds, 24 seconds. And the Bills were consistently yesterday on the line at 24, 23 seconds. And then they were taking their time. Dable, I'm sure, was talking to Josh, telling him what he saw, yada, 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 just having conversation until the microphone got turned off. They'd snap the ball around 13. Even inside of a hurry-up, you can be urgent in a hurry-up and not urgent in a hurry-up. They just didn't seem to have a sense of urgency to me. Yeah, I, I, I honestly think that was just a residual mess left over from feeling like, holy cow, we just, you know, we're getting... We're getting absolutely embarrassed up front. Um, well, hey, I, I want to transition to yeah. the other the other positive. And this is sad. I mean, this is a positive, though. I think there were no injuries. Uh, no, that's huge. That's absolutely I mean, that, that, huge. That's great for us. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Hey, and, and, you know, I promised I'd comment on um, two things. So, you know, oh, T.J. Watt, T.J. Watt. He doesn't get that strip sack if it's not for Cameron Hayward. And that that's just a fact because Williams had him blocked on that play, but once Josh had to back out, it changes the angles. You know, I don't know, you know, how savvy our audience is, but you know, once that quarterback steps off that eight yard mark and goes backwards or back and left, that just changes the angle. And yeah, yeah. Williams, I mean, other than tackling him, <laughs> holding him, uh, TJ Watt was going to get there, but that's, that's camera They're right now. TJ Watt is like handing Cameron hundred dollars. Thanks. <laughs> and in the second sack, you know, Josh was like doing that slow scramble across the yeah. formation. TJ Watt's an amazing player. I'm not trying to take anything away from TJ Watt. I'm just saying that Cameron Hayward is a stud. And you know what? We all know that they have studs um, on that. They got studs on the whole defense. Mika Fitzpatrick, Joe Hayden's yeah. a stud. I mean, obviously TJ Watt, we've talked about uh, Melvin Ingram is on that. You know, it's, it's that, that defense is loaded. Levi Wallace, talk to me about Levi Wallace a little bit. You know, it, Bills Mafia's losing their mind. It was pass interference. I don't care what anybody says. It's good. Textbook. Lose your mind. I mean, I mean uh, how many guys, how many DBs that are in the Hall of Fame have you know not gotten their head around before? All of them. It's one play. We won the game. Nobody'd be talking about it. Right. And I did see he tripped on um, on one uh, late. It was in the fourth quarter. Ben threw it to the right. Yep. And he tripped and fell, and it was ugly. And Levi's not happy about it either. Sure. But it was a it was a close call. I'd say it's seventy five percent pass interference. If it didn't get called, I wouldn't have really been surprised either. Uh, it happens. 
geez, it happens. For sure. Look, the, the defining moment of the game is the punt return, punt block for a touchdown. You take that away, it changes everything. Did you it see Sale's tweet? The whole scope of the game. Did you see Sale's tweet today just about that as far as uh, he, there was the, the digital design of like where all the players went? I did. Happened. I yeah. did. I thought he did a nice job yeah. with the, the, the digitalis there. Yeah. Uh, the punter, it was it was it was 25% the punter, 75% the interior blocking. You block punt from inside out. Right. And everybody uses the same damn punt formation. Everybody uses the same philosophy. You protect yeah. from the inside out. And oh, I saw somebody said, oh, well, the center's got to pick somebody. No, they don't do that anymore. If, if the center, <laughs> if the snapper gets a hand on somebody, that's just bonus, right? right, right. Forget it. That's yeah. like, uh, hey, well, you know, they give you an extra beer because they poured one. Thank right. you. Right. What's um, funny is I noticed the hitch in his step immediately, but it wouldn't have mattered. Had he, had he, had he caught that that ball clean, one, two, three, it or one, two, it, that dude still would have been in his lap. Still, would yeah, have but been. It, but it may not have gone for a touchdown. We might have right. been able to line up and play defense. Right. It, 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 was, it was it was poor kicking. Yeah. And I mean, you know what? You let Bajorquez go, and the other guy, I don't know. I mean, not to say that Bajorquez wouldn't have got it blocked, but again, before, before, I mean, go ahead. Well. Back to Levi Wallace, right? So yeah. you get the penalty, everybody's crying, CB2. I mean, we improved in the draft. We improved in free agency. We got the guys, we kept the guys we wanted. You know, at some point you realize teams win Super Bowls with a few guys that, you know, you just think are are, are serviceable players. But I, I still think Levi's even a little better than that. Mm-hmm. And you look at the touchdown that was scored on him. That was the, the play after the run play. It was an right? amazing catch. He, well, he tipped it. Yeah. It was beautiful. He got his hand up and he tipped yep. it. Yep. And then, you know, 95, 98 times out of 100, that ball gets tipped away. The receiver's falling. He can't make the grab. And I, I, it was a brilliant play. Yeah, that one. It, it was almost like it was just meant to be. Like, that, I mean, that, was, that was an amazing catch. Before we transition to where do we go from here, uh, which I'm, I'm excited for that, and then obviously we're going to be done because we're almost at an hour already. This has been fun conversation for me, just fantastic. Um. You've been you have been part of you've been in the locker room as a player uh, coming into week one in both what I would consider a high expectation team. Right. Great expectations on this team. We're coming into week one. We, we did the preseason game thing. I was at I'm sure your last or both your last uh, the, the last year that you guys won the Super Bowl when you know, I remember specifically you, you guys would one series straight down the field score a touchdown off the field. I was there for those preseason games. Is there a difference in the mindset of the players when there's high expectations coming into week one versus, you know what? We're not a good football team. We kind of know we're not a good football team. We're going to do the best we can. And we're coming into week one. And is it good or bad? Because you hear all this bulletin board material stuff. Now they're going to be mad and they're going to be mad at themselves. And then you hear other people that are professional saying, if a player needs a bulletin to board material to be pumped up for a game, then they're in the wrong game. Like they should be able to self-motivate. Where does your conscience lie and from your experience on that type of stuff? Yeah, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, nobody in Bill's Mafia is more upset than the players, especially right. as it played poorly. Look, I, I'm not. I, if if Feliciano and Dion and Williams were in front of me right now, I'd say, guys, you know, if I were their coach, they're going through the ringer right now. Mm-hmm. But it's because they have high expectations. It's like you said, you know, I've been on teams that were horrible, where mm-hmm. I knew that the only way we would have won is if the other team's bus crashed. <laughs> you know, we're not that team. 
But that doesn't mean that you that you lay off them in practice. That doesn't mean you say, you know, this is where you're supposed to play. This is what we saw, dude. What's going on? Right, right. Um, yeah, and look, uh, historically, two teams have had a perfect season, right? The uh, Miami Dolphins and the Patriots. Patriots, even though they lost the Super Bowl. Um, a perfect regular season, I should say. Yep, yep. Uh, we went to the Super Bowl. We lost to the Raiders in L.A. my rookie year. They were terrible. I mean, that was ugly. I think we had a punt blocked. Mm-hmm. Um, it was awful. But, you know, then we beat some teams who were really great football teams. Yeah. The guys right now are saying we're we're destined for more of this. We need to play to our potential. And that's the beauty of football is, you know, 11 guys on the field. And you need to suck it up every play. You know, Cornelius Bennett um, and Bruce Smith used to say this a lot. Don't look for somebody else to make a play. You make your play every time, and then you're the guy making the play. Right, right. That's good. You know? don't, good. don't wait for somebody else to do it. Yeah, super good. I, uh, I'm, lo- I'm excited about the fact that this was one game. And the reality is, is we have 16 left, which means for all of us that have been watching football for a long time, we've got a full season left. My my expectation for the season has not changed. I still think the Bills go 13 and four. From a from a where do we go from here? What do they got to do to prepare for this Miami game? Do you? I I I think they're going to come out like a bunch of. I mean, because you said play play hard nosed football. I think yeah. you can still do that. Doesn't mean run. I think you can still play smash mouth football with the pass. You're just dictating to the other team. This is what we do. This is what we're going to do, and you're going to take it, and then we're going to get off the field with a W. Where do we go from here, in your opinion? Well, you know, there's always a concern about grass. So, you know, did the guys practice enough on grass mm-hmm. as opposed to AstroTurf uh, during the preseason? Getting their footing. Some of the guys, um, you know, running backs, you can't cut on your inside foot to your right or left. Right, right. You know, you got to cut on your outside foot, things of that nature. If the defense plays Sunday like they did today, we're going to be in a very, very close game. If we eliminate... One turnover, which is curious. You know, we talk about it being a turnover, but it was for a touchdown. Right. You know, that's like a pick six, right? You know, clean up the special teams. You, I mean, it's nice to not have any turnovers, but overcome the one that you're going to have. And um, the offensive line has to play better, Joe. I mean, they have to play better. They got to they figure it out. They rushed with four and three yesterday. They were able to drop the linebackers in the intermediate zones, which means you're only working the outside of the field, which is longer throws. And, you know, nobody game plans and says we're only going to work the outside thirds of the field, right? (laughs) Definitely not Lamar Jackson, who can't find the outside thirds of the field. (laughs) Hey, we got a couple minutes. I'm optimistic. So am I very much. So I don't think this, this is not, this is not going to define the season. It actually may the bills lost that heartbreaker against the Cardinals last year. And it sent them on a trajectory where they weren't going to take crap from anybody for the rest of the season. And they didn't until obviously the AFC championship game. You know, what we say a lot in a loss like this is forget about the game. Remember the feeling. Oh, that's good. Right. The feeling is what will motivate you to make the changes in your performance. Yeah, very good. We got a couple minutes. See if anybody's got any questions. We, uh, can you stick around for a couple minutes here? See if anybody. Yeah. yeah. Look, you it's gotta... only like uh, seven o'clock out here. <laughs> Look, I have all these notes. I mean, it's 
So if you've got a question for John, roll it in here real quick. Uh, I'm going to work back through a couple just to see if I can find one. Mike Stock says uh, he's wondering why they didn't move the pocket a bit more, rollouts, et cetera. It seemed like Josh was kind of anchored in there and didn't have as much success. I agree with this, uh, that he didn't have yeah, as much success. But that's not really our game, is it? Yeah, but normally he escapes. But, no, they don't, they don't do a moving pocket. That's true. But it just felt like he didn't have the ability to escape. Well, that's why he didn't escape. Nowhere to run to, nowhere to hide. Nowhere to I mean, run what, to, baby. Said, yeah, no, are we singing on this show? Nowhere to hide. How many offensive line holding penalties? Uh, I believe it was six or seven. Was no, it six? Five, maybe. Three, two. I don't Four know. of them got so one. If D. you're holding, if you get five holding calls, then the other plays, <laughs> you know, probably could have been opportunities for holding calls. They were getting punked up front. Right. Um, it was it was not good and yeah. so he couldn't escape or, or or maybe that's part of the new josh you know to stay in there a little bit longer and wait but um you got to protect up front it all starts with protection when you and when you consider going back to what i was talking about you got to be in shape man pass pro is so much harder on offensive linemen than run run blocking and right. it's it's actually an inverse relationship it's more tiring to pass block and it's less tiring for the defense to rush. Yeah, yeah, when yeah. you're beating them with the run game, their arms, like they can't even lift their arms after a while. Mm. But you got to be fit. That's good. More questions? What do you got? Sean Matter asks, do you think playing with actual crowd noise played a role in what we saw yesterday? Clearly he's speaking of the offense. No. Um, you know, I never really even heard the crowd until – you know, the last couple minutes of a home game, they're not, they don't hear the crowd. I don't think there were nerves going on. I just think they played poorly. Sometimes, sometimes you play poorly. Yeah. Do you, do you, do you buy into this whole sugar high Josh thing? I know he has said, he's come out and said that he gets a little too amped up needs to get hit. And there was a play, uh, it was in the second series. So, or the, well, no, because they had the 71 yard return and then they went three and out and kicked a field goal. Uh, I think they had another series and then there was a series after that where he just out of nowhere kind of took off on a on a scheduled or unscheduled run, and it looked like he was just trying to get hit. It looked like somebody please hit me to get me unrattled. Do you feel like there was some first game jitters in there somewhere? Well, if that's the case, um, I'll come to every locker room pregame and do it in the locker room <laughs> in a safe environment where you know I'll just smack him. Uh, it, it, it could be, you know, that's all. That's that's almost akin to. You know, I put my right leg into my pants before my left leg. Right, uh, right. If that's the case, you know, you, you better tame that beast because we can't have you looking to hit somebody before. And if that also, if that were the case, you know, he would have he wouldn't have sprinkled some poor throws throughout the entire game. They probably would have all come up front. Right. One last thing, and Mike Stock brings this up. I wonder if having Moss active and Singletary inactive would have been a better call. I, I don't think that's the right call. What do you read into Zach Moss not being active in this football game? I don't read anything into it. Um, I don't you, weren't, know. you weren't surprised at all. I, we were floored when when that came through that Moss was inactive. We were like healthy scratch because he seems to be. I don't want to use the word bell cow because out of a team that rushes the ball 10 times in a game, but he seems to be the bell cow. At least. Okay. Well, you know, it could be Brita fit better into some part of the game plan that we never got to see because we didn't play well enough to see it. Right. So, you know, I think Zach and Singletary are more closely related in skill set than Zach and Brita or Devin and Brita. Right. So if you want to add a, a 
some sort of a variety, then maybe Devin sits the next time. I'm not concerned about that. I don't think that Zach being in and Devin being out would have changed the outcome of this game. Yeah. It's, uh, what would have changed the outcome of this game was, you know, five fewer holding penalties and not a block punt for a touchdown. Let's keep focusing on that. And yeah. I think Bill's Mafia, anybody out there who thought we were just going to breeze through the season and it wasn't going to be, you know, tough games. Like we had tough games last year. We won oh, yeah. a lot of games. They were close. Would you yeah. agree? Yeah, there was one. There was one point, and I can't remember who said it to me. Uh, I was talking to a buddy today that said that uh, with all the holding penalties, there was the one drive where they kept getting a first down, getting knocked back ten yards, getting a first down, getting knocked back ten yards, and it's like we've gained 150 yards on this drive already, and we haven't made it to the end zone yet. They, it was they, brutal. It was our uh, it was our second possession. Yeah, the the ridiculous. killing just killing any type of momentum that we, we could had a, yeah, have. Yeah, on the on the third play it was a holding. On the sixth, seventh play it was a free guy. Uh, two plays later it was a holding on Morse, which I thought was weak. That yeah, was a weak yeah. call. Yeah, yeah. And then the last play before the punt was a hold. Last question that I have for you: How impossible is it, or improbable is it, or unlikely, or pick a word that is less or strong? in there is it for an offensive line five men with four of them being rookies never having played together not get a single holding penalty in an entire football game well and i found two when i watched <laughs> the film and that's that's the nauseating thing and if jerry is still on the phone right now i mean that's like if you're gonna call five or six on one side of the ball you know be equal in your diligence about finding things I, I, there were two shameful, one particularly on Hughes that I thought was just sad. And, you know, somehow they got to figure like, hey, guys, we're not calling this thing fair. We're not calling it straight. You know, yeah, yeah. offensive line holds on every play. I thought that was a little pathetic, frankly. Yeah. Gotcha. Josh McCarty asked, do you think that uh, the 30 pounds of John Feliciano lost this offseason has hurt his ability to play to his strengths, which he is the tone setter. He's the guy that's the bruiser, the beater the guy that gets in there and, you know, grinds a little bit. No, I don't think so. I mean, the two plays that I thought were his most egregious, uh, egregiously poor um, performances were his feet. You know, he was, he his, he's got those long arms and he likes to extend them, but he, he gave up the inside. It wasn't really about uh, strength or size. It was about movement. And I, that was the problem at the tackle position too. They weren't moving very well. Yeah, lead feet, a little bit of lead feet going on. John, any final thoughts for us this evening before we let you go and uh, to enjoy the rest of your evening? And uh, the, oh, those of us on the East Coast can uh, either watch the rest of the football game or go to bed. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'll tell you this, and I think you're the same way. We can be angry as fans. I can be angry as uh, as an alumni, uh, but we can avoid being vitriolic. Uh, yes. they, we don't have to hit the panic button right now. There, there's no reason to panic. If you want to call it a wake up call, if you want to call it a reset, then you got it right. Let's give these let's give these uh, large men a chance to do the things that they do, which most people on the planet couldn't even begin to perform. And uh, let's enjoy it a little bit and and understand that we got to take our losses. How about you? What's your final thought there? No, same 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 exact thing. I said uh, coming into the season this year to you know just knowing what Josh Allen is, who he is, what this offense is to not do what I did. And you've heard me say it as well as a little kid and not really pay attention or savor all those moments that I had with Jim Kelly as a fan, like taking everything, taking the touchdowns, taking the, the wins, taking the losses, 
taking the struggles and see the overcome and the success on the opposite side. Because before you know it, you blink and you can speak to this too. I'm sure it's over. Like you blink and it's done. And then it's 17 years of quarterback purgatory with a bunch of names that we don't, we don't want to remember. remember. You know what I mean? And this, this is a special week too. I mean, of all the teams that I played over the years, my least favorite team is the Miami Dolphins and the spread between them and number two is vast. For sure. Uh, and, and that I hope lives on despite the drought and the pain and the suffering that we've gone through for two decades. The Dolphins, I just, I just despise them. I don't know. I, I can't get it out of my system. So let's gear up. Let's keep the faith. Let's be positive and let's squish in as efficient. Love it. So ladies and gentlemen, you have been watching and listening to because this is going to drop in podcast form every Tuesday morning going forward. And we'll be on every single week throughout the season with uh, John Fina. And we're, I, I, I didn't mention this to you, the Monday night games that we have, we could potentially go early and go a pregame show, depending on what time like your schedule works or so, which might be kind of fun if we hit the air at seven or seven 30, Right. So kind of like a free pregame show. So something, something food for thought, which is actually a Bruce Nolan show on Friday, but still that phrase works here, but chef. Yeah. Let's, uh, I mean, let's keep it fluid. I'm willing. Uh, I really, uh, again, I mean, thanks for bringing me back to yeah, dude. Yeah, dude. and being excited. Yeah, dude. But uh, ladies and gentlemen, you've been watching the off tackle with John Fina show on the Buffalo rumblings, multicast vidcast network. It's great to have you guys on board. We'll see you guys next week on Monday at 9 o'clock. I'm Joe Miller. That's John Fina. Go Bills. Go Bills, baby. to do's less time and an infinite number of tools to keep track of sometimes doing business has never felt harder but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals you can just use hubspot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier imagine this high quality leads fast closing deals wildly happy customers and more benchmark breaking quarters it's not a miracle it's hubspot visit hubspot.com to get started today